Hi, you're listening to a sermon from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. We're so glad you're listening. If you'd like more information, you can visit us online at oakhills.org or phone us at 916-983-0181. Philippians 4, 6-7. It's on page 1181 in the Bibles around you if you care to follow along. And it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. I'm Lorraine Rothenberg, as was mentioned earlier, and I am one of the pastors here. I'm the pastor of Community Care. And uh, for those of you who maybe came in a little bit uh, late this morning, you saw in the bulletin that Mike Lucan was going to be doing the message this morning, and I'm not Mike. Um, So you get me today. Yesterday, as Manuel mentioned earlier in the service, uh, he and I got a text um, that Mike was in trouble with his back, uh, pretty much just stuck in bed for a few days, and that we would need to step in. Uh, and honestly, I had a very full day ahead. I was in the parking lot of the gym uh, getting ready to go in, and uh, my first thought was to just let Manuel run with this one and um, not sign up for that myself. We were having company uh, for dinner. We were meeting friends from out of state for lunch and uh, all kinds of things going on. But then Mike reminded us what the topic was uh, and that it was less fear, more trust, and Without thinking too much about it, which was probably a good thing because I might have talked my way out of it in my head, uh, I jumped on it. And the reason I did is because fear is very familiar to me. You might say we've got some history together, fear and I. I've got some life experience with being afraid. Fear has been an unwelcome companion through much of my life. And more than that, fear is a core childhood wound of mine. My mother suffered from fear from the time I was born. And it wasn't just like an annoying fear. It was more like gripping fear. I never doubted her love for me. She loved me very deeply, and I was very fortunate in that and very blessed. But I was a casualty of the fear that plagued her. I was collateral damage in a way. Because kids, as we know, are very impressionable. And over time, her fears became my fears. Fear of strangers, fear of new and unfamiliar places, fear of something bad happening or of getting hurt. And my childhood didn't start out that way, or at least I wasn't aware of it. The first few years of my life, I grew up in a very hilly part of the Bay Area. And I had a friend who lived across the canyon from me. Her house was at the bottom of a very steep and long road that had a sharp bend in it. And I remember at about age five or six when we walked our little red tricycles up that steep road. And then at the top, we climbed onto those tricycles, racing down that hill like we were evil Knievel. Pigtails flopping against our pigtail-battered cheeks in the whizzing wind of our high speed, which was picking up with every house we passed. When the bend in the road came up, I couldn't navigate it with my high speed. Surprise. And I somersaulted over the front of my tricycle, wheels flying over the top of me, a mangled mess of red metal and black rubber landing near me on the asphalt. And banged up and skin kneed, I remembered 
sitting there perplexed and crying, both from shock and from owies. It had never even occurred to me that something like that could happen. I had simply launched out with my sweet, trusting, child-sized heart and unbridled excitement. And something changed in me after that. From that point on, I was afraid to try things because I might get hurt. And then to top things off in the fear department, I began to pick up my mom's fears. I didn't realize until soon after that time this was the reason that I slept in my parents' bed with them. It was because of fear. Her fear became my fear. Later, I slept on a cot in my parents' walk-in closet under the racks of hanging clothes with the shoes and the purses. And after that, on the mattress on the floor at the end of their bed. I grew up to be afraid of nearly everything. I was afraid of the dark. I was afraid of being alone. I was afraid of teachers that might get mad at me. I was afraid of friends that wouldn't like me or that someone bad would try to get me. And I thought that was normal because fear was normal at my house. When I was about 12, however, I started to push back on some of those fears. My mom's response to that was, but aren't you scared? Yes, I was. And that question, aren't you scared, often caused me to make agreements with those very fears instead of overcoming them. But I was so exhausted. I was tired of living in fear. And I was confused by it all, especially since my parents were wonderful Christians and we were good church folks. Fear followed me into adulthood. I was afraid of disappointing others and desperately craved their approval. I was afraid of making mistakes or even getting hurt or getting lost or driving in the dark or unfamiliar people and places. I was horribly terrified of public speaking and didn't want to draw attention to myself. I was mousy and quiet. Yes, truly. (laughs) Fear has been a dreadful four-letter word in my life. It has cost me a lot over the years and lost opportunities and experiences, lost relationships, lost well-being, even lost health. Maybe that's why I've become such an adventurer in my later years. Traveling, ziplining, parasailing, crazy stuff. Things and experiences I would have been terrified of before, and I did, in fact, avoid. I think I wanted to make up for the lost years of hunkering down behind walls of perceived safety and missing out. And then the realization that I'd inadvertently tried to pass on some of my fear onto my own kids was a huge wake-up call for me. It made me want to slap fear in the face and say, enough, you've stolen enough from me. No more. I will do it afraid if I have to, but I will do it. I went on business trips by myself, afraid. I began to do public speaking in my job, afraid. I began to share more of my real self with others, afraid. I went into full-time vocational ministry, afraid. I served three years as a law enforcement chaplain, trusting God for the places he would take me, the strangers I would serve, and the terrible things I would see, afraid. Because the alternative, the hiding, the pretending, the protecting, was just too life-draining. It was too life-choking. And it flew in the face of who I wanted to be as a follower of Jesus, claiming to trust in God. 
Much of my adult life has been learning to walk in trust instead of in fear. Sometimes I do it well, and sometimes remnants of that fear-based part of me that still is left there sneaks out to make an appearance. And it's all part of my ongoing messy story of formation into Christ-likeness, which is still very much under construction. As I mentioned today, we're continuing in our Less is More series, specifically talking about less fear, more trust. And I know I'll be treading on some tender ground here. I know we all have personal fear that we deal with in some way. And I know that we live in a society and in a world where fear runs in the undercurrent, politically, economically, racially, in mass violence, bullying, school safety, gun control, gender issues, fear of drought, fear of war, and the list goes on. It's in us and it's all around us. So let's take a moment just to stop and pray before we continue. Father, we place ourselves before you in our fears, and we ask that by your spirit you would speak to our hearts, that you would invite us to loosen our grip on the things that we hold on to out of fear. We pray that you would be present with us, that you would encourage us, that you would speak truth into our hearts, that we might love you fully, that we might love others fully, and that we might love ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we consider the idea of less fear and more trust, let's first consider consider the issue of fear. First of all, we should define what it is. Webster's Dictionary defines fear as an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by expectation or awareness of danger. An instance of fear or state marked by fear, concern about what may happen, worry, awe, dread, fright. It's a powerful emotion, and it comes in multiple forms. There are both rational fears and irrational fears. A rational fear is something that presents clear and present danger. It's something truly that it's good to be afraid of. It's something that could actually happen with real consequences. And that kind of fear could keep us alive. Rational or healthy fear keeps me from jumping out of a plane without a parachute or driving into oncoming traffic or stopping to give a bear a hug in the woods just to see what might happen. An irrational fear is a persistent, abnormal and thing that compels us to avoid it, despite the awareness and reassurance that it is not dangerous. A strong fear, dislike, or aversion. And I have to confess, right on the outset, I do have a couple of fears that some of you might consider to be irrational. Balloons, and this is a real thing, it's called globophobia, especially when they are either being blown up or played with by children. And dough cans, you know those Pillsbury dough can things? Uh, Basically, things that are about ready to pop. I mean, those are some scary things for me. And side note, please don't try to cure me of either one of those two things by exposure therapy. I don't want to find a bunch of balloons in my office or dough cans. I once read a story about a woman who was driving home from the grocery store when she heard a gunshot and suddenly felt a hard bang on the back of her head. When she put her hand to that painful spot, she was shocked to find her gooey brain seeping out of her head. She thought that it was it. That was it. That was her number was up. But thankfully, she didn't die. In fact, she discovered that the dough can in the grocery bag on the back seat behind her had exploded in the car with the dough flying forward and hitting her in the back of the head. So what she was feeling was really this gooey dough on the back of her head, not brains. See, it's a real fear, right? Just ask me. 
But it's interesting, if you look up phobias on the internet and the fears that people have, you'll get quite a long list of things that people fear. My favorites, when I looked at the list, you'll see on the screen, and I'm not sure about pronouncing this first one. I'll give it a whirl. Hippopotamonstrosequipedalophobia, which is the fear of long words, actually. Uh, Potophobia, the fear of feet. I've got that one. And phobophobia, the fear of fear. Some of my favorites. And they're real. In fact, the list of phobias actually has no end because you could have a phobia of anything. Just about anything can be feared. And besides healthy fears and unhealthy fears, there is another fear that we should mention here, which is a good thing. Scripture tells us to fear God. Not as in being terrified of him, but having reverence for him. Having awe of him. Not fear of God, uh, though that's what some of us may suffer from in terms of being afraid. uh, Fearing God's anger toward us or punishment, his scrutinizing eye. We view God as an ogre with a big stick on a power trip just waiting to bop us on the head like a -a whack-a-mole game when we misbehave. But reverence for God in his greatness and his holiness and in his majesty. But a question remains, how do we not fear when it's part of the human psyche? Jesus understands that we as humans battle fear. Fear often comes out of our need to control, and so we keep a tight grip on our life, on our relationships, our money, our possessions. It's difficult and a complicated thing, so difficult that we don't want to cheapen it with pithy sayings or puns or platitudes or bumper sticker theology that says, don't worry, be happy. That may sound good, but as we all know, that's easier said than done. And I want to tread lightly again here because I realize that fear can be absolutely paralyzing to some. And fear, anxiety, and worry are like three legs on the same stool. We can be daily consumed with worry and anxiety can be an actual condition that people struggle greatly with, not just a mindset. Fear is a heavy, costly burden to carry. It can enslave us. It can paralyze us. It can become an unwelcome house guest that just unpacks its suitcases in our mind. And we make it right at home with our fully stocked minibar fridge and Tempur-Pedic dream bed. We think that fear serves us well, but living in fear actually constructs a skewed filter through which we see and process life and other people. We fear being had, being duped or made a fool of, which keeps us from fully trusting people. And that can make us cynical or cause us to try to get one over on people before they have a chance to do the thing to us. We fear being rejected or betrayed, so we distance ourselves and we withhold ourselves from others. We fear there's not enough of whatever it is we want or think we need, which breeds scarcity-mindedness and chokes out generosity. In our own minds, we can create fear as a reaction to buying into lies or misconceptions. And before we realize it, we've put up impenetrable walls to try to protect ourselves. But that can just leave us alone with our fears as our companions. We may think of fear as our friend, but so often fear works against us. In fact, very many times in Scripture, we see the words, do not be afraid and fear not. Fear brings discouragement. It's toxic to our souls and to the others caught in our web of fear. And let's not forget, we also have an enemy who wants to keep us in a place of fear and keep us doubting the goodness and trustworthiness of God. So we've defined fear a a little bit. Let's talk now about the other side of this equation, which is more trust. First, let's define trust. Trust is more than belief. It's belief put into action. 
It's faith with teeth. It's active, not passive. It's one thing to say we have faith in God because he exists. It's another thing altogether to say we trust God, to place our confidence fully in him in the midst of our doubts and our fears, and to rely on him in everything. We need firm resolve to walk into our fears. We need Holy Spirit-empowered boldness to face our fears and not shrink back when the going gets tough. The way to less fear is more trust. Trust is the antidote to fear. It's responding to the voice of Jesus that calls out to us, follow me. True trust in God is trust even when we don't get everything we want how we want it. We have to remember that as humans, we tend to be driven by selfish desires and our wanters are set to a self-gratification setting. The what's in it for me mode. Walter Bruggeman has this great quote. He says, I think a case can be made that the heart of the gospel is do not fear. This formula is the quintessential word-changing assurance in the Bible. Fear is the great pathology of our society. It is the task of the church to say, do not fear. But that assurance must be grounded in a God who is trusted to be present in effective ways. And God is not present apart from the imagination of the poets, thus the church, in its poetic vocation, with grounding in the holy assurance of God, is entrusted with an antidote to the pathology of our time and place. It is not an easy assurance, but it is one that opens space for different actions and different social relationships. And so for different futures, this is an amazing trust to the church, and one about which the church is often too timid. See, do not fear is not just a suggestion in the Bible. It's not just a good idea. It's a marching order. We are staking our life on the reality that this is all true, that God is real, that Jesus loves us, and that the Holy Spirit is at work in us. We don't always want to fully trust God, let's be honest. We fear he might want more from us than we want to give. Trust says, have your way in me and in all that I have. But we fear he might ask us to become a missionary to Africa. Trust says, wherever you want me to go, Lord, send me. Or he might want me to give up a cherished habit or a sin. Trust says, in you I have everything I need. I don't want these things that are bad anymore. He might ask us to give more generously. Fear says, but this is mine. Trust says, everything I have is yours, and as I give in your goodness, you will take care of me. He might invite me to something new, to do something that feels beyond me. Fear says, I might fail. Trust says that we should rest in faith, to lie down in green pastures, to know that God has our back, to put our minds at ease and quiet the storm of dis-ease that rages within us, and to flood us with his peace. Isaiah 26.3 says, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Placing our trust in God invites him to keep us in that place of peace, that supernatural peace, no matter what happens and no matter how things look. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which David read earlier, says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. See, when we bring our fears and anxieties to God and we ask him by our prayer and our petition with grateful hearts, he pours out his peace upon us. And bringing these things before God... 
they have to be rooted in some core beliefs. First, we have to trust that God is for us. Luke 12:32 says, "Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom." All that God has at his disposal is ours. He's our biggest fan. He wants goodness for us. We trust that God is doing something good for us and in us, even if we haven't yet seen that come to fruition. Second, we trust that God is with us. Psalm 46, 1 through 2 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. See, Jesus and the Father are moving in and through our lives actively with us. We are not alone. Joshua 1, 6 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. The God of the universe who created all things and holds all things in his hands, who commands the sun to rise on each day and holds it in his place, who created each one of us and sustains our very breath, is with us. And this is an amazing, empowering fact, not just a wish. He is with us. We are not left to face the details of life alone, for he is with us. And that should sink deep into the marrow of our bones, deep within us, and encourage us greatly. Third, we must trust that God cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. The God of eternity, past, present, and future, has got you. Our fear is not a surprise to him. He cares about each one of us infinitely, about you and about me. And he invites us to entrust that fear to him. To trust in God recognizes that we are safe in God's care. He knows us intimately, all our flaws and our failures, the number of heads on our hair on our heads are numbered, and he cares about us intensely. God wants to temper our fears by helping us to have a right perspective a God's eye view of things, a bigger picture. And we do this when we remember all the ways that God has proven his goodness to us in the past and his ongoing faithfulness. Well, how do we move from fear to trust? I told you earlier about my mom's struggle with fear and how that gave birth to fear in me that I've carried throughout my life. What I didn't share with you, though, is the end of that story. See, my sweet mom died 12 years ago. And shortly before she died, she gave me an extraordinary gift. One day when I was with her, she brought up her struggle with fear. It was not something we talked about very often. And she told me how she realized how much that had impacted me and how sorry she was for that. And she asked me to forgive her, which I already had. And then I asked her something I never had before. I said, What was that fear all about? And she shared with me what had happened in her life that I hadn't heard before. And my heart swelled with compassion and understanding and even more love for her. That disclosure was a tremendous gift to me that I still hold dear today. And that helped me to release my grip on the fear that I had lived with and what that had done to me, all that damage, and to move more toward life abundant. The key to life is to trust in God. Moving from a place of fear to a place of trust in God is what the with life, with Jesus life is all about. 
It's about moving from self-rule to surrender. When we fear the future, we must remember that God is already there. When we fear pain, we must remember that God is in the business of redeeming our pain. He is the one who can bring beauty out of ashes and replace what the locusts have eaten and bless us by his comfort. When we fear death, we must remember that as followers of Jesus Christ, our earthly death is not the end. When we fear those who are unlike us, God gives us the grace to reach out and to love as unto the Lord. When we fear suffering, we must remember that God is ever-present with us in times of trouble, and he can be trusted for the outcome and how he will redeem that suffering. When we fear how others might treat us, we remember that God knows it all, he sees it all, and he calls us to love anyway. Well, how can we practically do this to move from fear to trust? I just want to mention three ways. First, let's get real. Let's stop pretending everything is fine when it's not. That's just exhausting. And let's do a heart check. How are you inside yourself? What are you being driven by? Where is fear driving you rather than trusting God? Is it in a relationship, in a marriage? Is it your job, your money? Imagine what would your life look like if you had less fear and more trust in these areas. What would you do differently? How might you be different if you weren't afraid of failing or what others might think or dot, 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 you fill in the blank. Second, take a courageous step. Practically speaking, we learn to shift from fear to trust when we learn more about who God is and we experience his faithfulness. And when we do it afraid, we don't wait for the fear to be gone before we act. We take a courageous step right into that thing, that thing that causes us fear. We take a step forward like David in the Bible. We face all of our Goliaths, those things that feel big and scary. And sometimes we find that which we feared was far worse in our imagination and in our mind than in reality. Our confidence in God is demonstrated by our willingness to take that courageous step in the midst of fear, not when we pretend the fear is gone, not when you think the fear is gone. But right there, smack in the middle of it, we face it, we stare it down, one small step at a time. Third, we invite others into our journey of learning to trust. The trust of others in God is an encouragement that helps to bolster our own trust. When someone else shares their story of how God met them in some way, it stirs our faith toward trusting in him for our own lives. And together, as the body of Christ, we are learning how to trust God in everything. And we need each other as fellow travelers on this road of formation into Christ-likeness. We need to encourage each other with words like 2 Timothy 1.7. For the Spirit of God gave us not uh, to make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Choose your path today. The way of fear is about hiding, grasping, scarcity, perceived deprivation, or loss. It's the anticipation of something bad happening. The way of trust is confidence, abundance, contentment, surrender, peace, and security. All in the goodness and sovereignty of God, the one who forever and always and still sits on the throne. Let us ask God to reveal himself to us and to grow our trust in him. Reflect on the ways he has proven his trustworthiness to us in the past. Remind ourselves that God is in control, which really is just what we truly want. 
I don't want to be in charge of the universe. Do you? That's a big job. I managed to mess up my own life pretty well. So here's the question that we have to stop and ponder. What fear do you need to give to God today? What do you need to trust him for? What is he inviting you to surrender to him and then to wait with expectancy and hope? Take a small step toward him today. Loosen your fear-filled grip. Not a white-knuckle surrender, but the kind of gut-level, hopeful surrender that is truly turning things loose to him and learning to trust him in everything. That's what he wants. When we die to ourselves and our own fearful demands and wants, that's where we discover the sufficiency of God. He is sufficient to quench our desires and calm our fears, and he can be trusted in everything. I want to invite you now to close your eyes and just to lay your hands in your lap with your palms facing upward. Just open hands on your lap as a gesture of releasing to God and receiving from him. Let the Spirit of God bring to your mind what he is inviting you to release to him. That fear that is holding you back. That area in which you are struggling to trust him. That place in your life where you need to be reminded that he is indeed in control. And to receive from him his goodness. Trust in the voice that calls you his beloved. With your hands still open, let these words wash over you as I read them from the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord 
forever.